So I had lost 90% of my investment value over a period of five, six years. Mind you, this investment had around 50% of my portfolio was concentrated on this because I took an undue risk here. I thought that focusing on one investment can be a life-changing investment for you. That scarred me for life. And I quit markets in 2010 uh, due to this. And that scar went away after three, four years. And then I rebooted and then I came back. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever, stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotz from A. Stotz Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest, Shagun Jain. Shagun, are you ready to rock? Yeah, let's go. Right, let's do it. All right. So, Shagun, let me read a little bit about your background for our audience. Shagun Jain holds a master's degree in management studies, an MBA from JBIMS, Mumbai, specialing in finance. He's also a chartered accountant from the Institute of Chartered Accountants of India. His professional career exposed in the sales, research, and consulting, resulting in a rare blend of expertise in the financial services space. He worked as a relationship manager with Standard Chartered Banks in transaction banking, handling corporate clients across industries and across regions like Mumbai and Delhi. You know, I've never been to Delhi. I can't wait to go someday. <laughs> You're most welcome. Yes. After that, he moved to McKinsey and focused on strategy building and private equity due diligence for the banking sector in India. He currently works at Kotak Mahindra Bank and manages transaction bankings for one of the largest verticals at the bank, which is corporate and investment banking. Shagun maintains a keen interest in equities with special attention paid to turnaround stories, special situations, and mispriced stocks. Publishes his thoughts on Morningstar India Edition, as well as, take note folks, www.liberated-soul.com, his blog. Check it out. All right, Shagun, take a minute. Fill in any tidbits about your life for the audience. Uh, it has been a pretty exciting journey for the last few years. I have, in fact, I quit the market some years back because of my very bad experience in my investments. And then I rebooted myself and I'm back now. And for the last three, four years, I've changed my strategy in terms of investing. And it has been a pretty exciting journey so far. I love that concept of rebooting. In my personal story, I had a chance when I was about 17 to kind of reboot the software that was in my brain. And that's a whole nother story. But I can tell you that taking time to stop what you're doing, rethink and reboot in a different direction is a very, very challenging and exciting thing and, and a great way to get more out of life, I would say. Congratulations on that reboot. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Start. I entered into the Indian markets during the 2003 bull run, which was uh, which preceded just before the financial crisis in 2007 and 8 across the world. And I was a youngster and I wanted to, excited at beating the markets, beating all the legendary investors in terms of returns. And um, I decided to take risks which were a bit out of back or undue risks, which we call. I placed my bets wherein the chances of making higher returns 
were much, much larger than losing your capital. That's what I believed. So what did I do? I scanned the market in 2003, 2004, and I zeroed in on a sector which was uh, booming in India, which was a retail space. Okay, organized retail had just started coming up and there were not many listed companies in India. There was only one listed company which was primarily into organized retail and which was straddling all formats of retail. And uh, that was a darling of the market at that point of time. And I decided that, you know, unorganized to organized is a theme which is doing well. Organized retail has done really well in the US, in uh, the European markets for the last 20 years. And this is a time in India when the retailing segment would move from mom and pop stores to organized retail. I latched on to the bandwagon and uh, picked up the sector leader. And, you know, I went whole hog on it. And uh, if I will take the name, yeah, the name is earlier called as Pantaloon Retail India Limited. The new avatar is known as Future Retail Limited currently. They went whole hog into all formats of retail, departmental stores, fashion, grocery, they went into books as well. I was overawed with the halo of the promoter and also of the sunrise sector. And I stopped looking at the financials or uh, how the money was being used or how the capital was being allocated to show the stupendous growth. From 2004 to 2008, when I started putting in money, I started averaging upwards and the company kept on growing. It had grown at more than 30% CAGR for the last four years. But I didn't look at, or I should say, what I overlooked was how this expansion, how this growth was being financed. The debt of the company ballooned six times in the last four years. But the revenues of the company went up only three times in the last, in those four years. You know, the amount of money which was being used to expand was being raised as debt and not as equity. This balloon had to burst sometime or the other. Fortunately, this balloon didn't burst in the 2008 crisis, though the share price of company went down by 80%, but it bounced back in the uh, revival which took place in 2009 and 10. But financials of the company didn't change. The operating cash flows were being used to invest into uh, creating more stores across the country. They were not sufficient and debt was being piled up. From a minuscule debt of less than 1,000 crores, we went up to a debt of 8,000 crores. I mean, this is in uh, INR rupee terms, uh, Indian currency terms. So the debt went up by 8x, but the revenues also, they didn't translate into the correspondence increase in revenues. So what happened in 2009 and 10 was, once there was a slowdown in the economy, consumer spending fell down, the margins fell down, and the company was not able to service its debt. Mind you, this was the largest and the most sought after retailer in India in this decade from 2005 to 2010-12. Uh, and the stock price again fell down right from when it went from uh, below 80% when it recovered almost all the losses it had gained, losses which it had, it had incurred in the 2008 financial crisis. It lost again around 90% of the value in the next two years because the, the company was going to go bust. What I ignored was the cash flows. There were no sufficient cash flows in the company to take care of the debt and to take care of the rapid expansion which, were, which the company was undertaking. Secondly, the company was in, in such a business where the margins were low. Incremental cost of capital was not being serviced by the incremental revenue and the margins which the company was generating. 
for the use of that capital and now if i had seen this and this was very very evident in the numbers if you from hindsight you have a you know 20, you have a perfect uh, 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 view when you look at hindsight but if we had looked at the numbers on an ongoing basis we could have seen the deterioration in the financials unfortunately it was more of a halo effect it was more of a sunrise sector effect you know which led me to ignore it and i thoroughly and i continue to believe that you know the company would somehow come out of it come out of it come out of it the management kept on coming up with you know strategies or with rescue strategies or with debt you know debt leveraging strategies they used to come and they say they'll do this they'll do that but unfortunately the plans of the management were not put into action 2010 11 the company was almost on the verge of bankruptcy when they started selling the businesses they had to sell some of the businesses to get back on track now what happened to my investment i started buying the stock from 2005 onwards when the stock price was approximately around around 100 bucks it went up to 800 bucks in 2008 and i right away average upwards to late 800 bucks though it fell though this financial crisis of 2008 was for everyone and i held on to my investment which fell down by 80% but again once it came back to the same levels i didn't have the guts or i didn't i didn't know you know i couldn't take the decision to exit at that point of time and then the price of the stock fell down by another 90% so at 100 bucks to 400 bucks to 800 bucks i had averaged upwards to around 700 bucks and when finally when i lost my patience and i had to exit it was at around 60 70 bucks so i had lost 90% of my investment value over a period of 5 6 years and mind you this investment had around 50% of my portfolio was concentrated on this because i took an undue risk here i thought that focusing on one investment can be a life changing investment for you that scarred me for life and i quit markets in 2010 uh, due to this and that scar went away after 3 4 years and then i rebooted and then i came back you know? got it oh my goodness that is a great lesson for the listeners about so many different things that i take away from that which i'm going to talk about but actually what i'd like for you to do is summarize for the listeners what lessons you learn from that experience the first important lesson is if a company is using debt to expand you'll have to see how the capital is well allocated the margins on uh, the incremental margin on the new business being generated should be substantially more than the cost of capital the second lesson is cash flows of the company the company should have free cash flows yeah operating cash flows are there besides operating cash flows all your investment after your investments there must be some amount of free cash flows which will then service your debt if you don't have free cash flows i mean this balloon will burst sooner or later third is the return on capital and return on equity that has to be monitored on a yearly basis even in this example the return on equity and return on capital started falling from double digits to single digits in a slow fashion and this could have been visible to the eye if you would if if you would have placed the financial statements in front of us for the last few years and a, a scenario where there's a falling return on equity and a falling return on capital is something uh, which you should be very very wary of and what about what did you learn about the price and what happened as the price was going up and going down what would you do differently now i didn't look at the numbers so deeply at the point of time when the prices were going up and i also didn't do, look at it very deeply when the prices were going down i i focus more on you know beyond the numbers like listening to what the management was doing what they were talking they were doing some exercise in terms of deleveraging i think what we need to be sure is we need to compare our key numbers quarter on quarter or you know year on year 
uh, and ensure that all these numbers fall within our parameters of investing. Okay. And if they're out of whack, then you have to then decide whether to take a decision or not. So let me ask another uh, question and then I'm going to get into what I took away from this. But over that time that you were invested in it, uh, what was the story about the dividend from the company? Was it paying and then it stopped or it started or it was always or what, what was the dividend situation? I, I'm, I don't remember exactly, but I don't think I received any dividend over the last few years. Right. I think they were more on the you know, investment mode. They were doing CapEx all across right, left and center. Got it. Okay. Let me summarize some of the things that I take away from that story. And then you tell me if I missed anything. Uh, the first thing is that I believe this is a case of maybe a, a combination of emotion and a lack of research in this case, uh, particularly af after you start buying something, you start to feel good about it and you're making the right decision. So sometimes people stop staying up to date on their research. So I think the lesson I take away is that you got to research from the beginning to the end on every single thing that you invest on. The second thing that, that I take away from it is uh, the concept of stop loss. Now, I don't like the word stop loss because it's so negative. Stop loss. I like the word preserve capital. And as yeah. I look at it, basically, at, there's a point. I do a rolling stop loss, meaning as the share price goes up, I recalculate that stop loss on a three-month basis every three months I do that and I do that and then I look at you know between 15 and 25 percent stop loss based upon that and I, I do that just simply because I can't figure out why the share price is going down and I cannot afford to ride it down and so I know that there's times that a stop loss is you know not uh, something that people like to think about and there's plenty of times with the stop loss or preserve capital point that you end up missing the upside, but I'm okay with that. So that was the other one. And the reason why I asked about the dividends is because when you talk, if for instance, I have my online class, valuationmasterclass.com, and in there we do a lot of free cash flow calculations. And sometimes the students will say, well, if, if people don't really use, people use PE to value a stock, why do, we, why do you spend so much time on the free cash flow calculation? And I said, you know, this is the reason why we have to understand, even if we don't value the company by its free cash flow, to understand its free cash flow and the changes that are happening is very, very valuable. But for the investors that are not sophisticated, the simplest way to measure the cash flow of a company is the amount of dividend that you receive. If you receive dividend, that is the most real of real cash flows. And so therefore, sometimes for less sophisticated investors that aren't going to do a free cash flow calculation, watch the dividend. So there's some of the things I took away. Did I miss anything? Yeah. One thing which I also did, which I mentioned in passing was I had put in around 50% of my portfolio into one stock. Okay. So I had put aside all concepts of risk management and diversification and because I wanted to, you know, get uh, rich quicker or, you know, I wanted to build a portfolio, a larger portfolio very, very fast. So, uh, and uh, this is one thing which I have have, uh, I've had a talk with a lot of my friends and we have always now, now we have always decided not to put in more than 10% of your capital into any one stock. My next question was going to be, 
based on what you've learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate? So what would that one action be? The most important parameter which you had just been explaining earlier has been the cash flows. If the if you are able to figure out what the cash flows of the company are and if the company is continuing you know, uh, to throw out operating cash flows or cash from operations as we call it over the, period, over the near future, I think that company, I think that probably investment would be a little safe and sound compared to other investments. We are, no, we are not talking about all the tech kind of investments which are valued differently in the market. But on a general, uh, on a general parameter level, I think cash flows are the most important parameter to look at. So there you have it. Cash flow is king. All right. Well, that's another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes, and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Shagun, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers, but our listeners are learning to win as a result. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Diversify your risk. Look at companies which are having good return on capital and return on equity, greater than 20%, having operating cash flows, and lastly, having a good corporate governance. These four things, if you have while investing, there's no reason why uh, you cannot have a very decent growth in your portfolio over, over a long period of time. Right on. That's a great summary. So that's a wrap on another great story of how to create, grow, and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.